In a small corner of the city, a parade began. No internet, no announcements, no tweets. Word of mouth carried the news. And the parade had no floats, no balloons, no bands, just the voices of the people singing one word, Hosanna. The word has no actual meaning. It'd be like trying to define the word hooray, but still, they knew what it meant. Hosanna, the king has arrived. Jesus had been working quietly behind the scenes, urging people to not tell of what they saw. But how can you keep a secret like that? They were ready for him. They had been praying for his arrival for generations. The Messiah had come. Hosanna. They waved branches. They threw their coats on the road. It was all they could do. They gave him a breeze and they sang him a song. Hosanna. It was all they had. They would die for him. But what they didn't understand is that it was going to happen the other way around. The Pharisees were watching, waiting, planning. He was too popular. The crowds would follow him anywhere. But even if you silence the crowd, you can't silence creation. Even if you silence the crowd, the rocks would sing, the trees would take up chorus, and the earth itself would sing, Hosanna. Hosanna, the king has arrived. Palm Sunday, it's a reminder of what that means, and uh, it was last Palm Sunday that there was a five-year-old boy by the name of Johnny that couldn't make it to church because he had a sore throat. When the family returned home, they were carrying these palm fronds, you know, like, I don't know, maybe you went to a church in the past where you actually had one, you'd wave, and, and Johnny asked them what they were for, and they said people held them over Jesus' head as they walked by, that's what his dad explained, and he, Johnny just fumed. He said, you know what? The one Sunday I don't go and, and he shows up. I've got more. Actually, I was really inspired by something, Heather, you shared. You know, she's found a church up there that she's very comfortable with and I'm excited for her. And, and she says she takes notes because he starts with a really good joke and she tried to write them down so I'd have one. <laughs> Do I really need that kind of help? Yeah, that's fine. Um, Anyway, last week we talked about what Jesus came to do and, and what he called others to do and what he's still at work accomplishing today. And just as we should be doing as we continue his ministry as his disciples, because that's what we are. And just to share a few scriptures as a reminder from John six thirty eight, he says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. See, he came to do God's will. And in John 3, 17, the last half of the verse we're so familiar with says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He came to save us. And Luke nineteen ten, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. 
He came to find us and bring us back to God. And last, Matthew 20, 28, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, Jesus came to serve, and I can think of no greater service to another than to save their life. Now imagine you were alive during Jesus' time on earth and maybe even present at the moment that we celebrate as Palm Sunday. Perhaps you heard Jesus speak before, right? And you're excited that he's coming to your town. Or perhaps you had only heard about this guy from Nazareth that was a phenomenal teacher and you're curious. Perhaps you've even heard that he has performed miracles in God's name. And whether out of excitement or just curiosity, you are going to be there to see this man come into your town. So let's take another look at this week's scripture. Remember that Terry read is from Matthew 21, 8 through 11. It says, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth and Galilee. See, they were excited to see him. They did not yet know that he would become their savior, but they did know that there was something incredible and divinely special about this man they called Jesus. If you were alive in those days, what would your motivation be to be there? Would you want to see this man in person so you could name drop to your friends like our concert t-shirts? Like I was there when Jesus came to town. Would you seek to be inspired by his teachings? Or would you want to witness one of these miracles in person? Or perhaps... Maybe this is more likely the truth. You were hoping that everything you had heard about him was true and he could help you. People were so excited by the prospects that they were waving these palm branches and shouting words of joy and celebration. They were literally paving the way of the Savior into their city with their own possessions, laying down their cloaks and these palm branches, a sort of personal red carpet. Welcome, Hosanna in the highest. So excited. Yet they didn't know what would happen the next few days. How this celebrated teacher would be betrayed by one of his closest friends, arrested and charged with ridiculous offenses, and then punished and killed by the most horrific means known at the time. They didn't know that he was about to become their savior at the cost of his own life. Now Jesus traveled and taught about the love and true nature of his father. and He gave examples not only through parables, but by the way he lived his own life. Jesus performed many miraculous feats to further these messages and to show compassion for those he came to serve. Many of these miracles were revolved around healing. Matthew 9.35 tells us that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And from Luke 9.11, it says, But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. And Luke 4.40, it says, At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laid his hands on each one, he healed them. And we have an eyewitness account from Matthew recorded in 1530. He says, great crowds came to him. He was there, he saw this. He said, great crowds were coming to Jesus. They brought the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others and laid them at his feet and he healed them. And later in Matthew 14, 14, he says, when Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, he, he came on shore and he saw this and he had compassion on them. 
compassion. So what did he do? He healed their sick. Does Jesus still have this kind of compassion for the afflicted? Does he still heal? Is God still at work relieving us of our pain and illness? Absolutely. Each week we spend time in prayer as a congregation where we lift up our joys and our concerns to God. We have prayed in Jesus' name for healing, for a good lab test result, a successful surgeon. We've celebrated as a church family as these prayers are answered, and each time we give thanks to God. And the verses I read a moment ago, as well as these prayer requests, speak of physical afflictions, right? Those are really easy to think of. We need healing from this. We're, we're, we've got cancer diagnoses and surgeries and, and things. But I think we can all agree that there are things that we need to be relieved of that may not be physiological. During the previous message series, we talked about the ways that we need to make room in preparation for the miraculous gift of our salvation. In fact, I would say that these are also afflictions. Anger, fear, depression, doubt, resentment, anxiety, self-contempt. God wants to heal you of these as well. Psalm 147.2 reminds us that he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. You know, sometimes we think that we would prefer a broken bone to a broken heart. Both can certainly hurt and both require attention and healing. And God wants to heal you of that as well. In Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, Jesus speaks these words of invitation. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Okay, these aren't just physical affliction. He says, if you're worn out, if you're stressed out, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now we've talked about this before, this concept of a yoke, normally between two oxen, and you are rigidly attached to this thing, you know, where one goes, the other goes, and the biggest one, strongest one wins, and you are connected literally, right? Jesus is saying, connect that way with me. And it not only does this, says, bring all these things, bring the garbage, the baggage. He says, but leave it here. Exchange it for this yoke. And you might at first glance go, why would I want to be tied down to anything? Because you want to be tied down to the right things. You want to be in connection with Jesus. So how do you yoke yourself to him so that he can direct your steps and you can move in tandem with him? And that's, you have to know him. Being in a close relationship with Jesus puts you in a close relationship with God, and that is the goal. It is when Thomas questions Jesus about his warning that he will be leaving soon that he says, I am the way, Jesus' words. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? To be in one relationship with Jesus is relationship with the Father. And he says, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do, you do know him and have seen him. We desperately want to claim that, don't we? I know you, Jesus. I know God. I've seen you. And it is by this father-son relationship, the, the two-thirds of this holy trinity that Jesus accomplishes <clears throat> what he was sent to do. Listen to this account from Acts 10, 37 through 38. He said, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power 
and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Okay? Put a lot of words there, but there's two points I really wanted you to take away. One is there's a reference to the beginning of Jesus's ministry at the time that John baptized Jesus. Okay? Now, Jesus was already well studied. We, we can see his time in the temple and we know his knowledge of, of law and, the, and the, all that. But this, it kicked off with this moment here. And in fact, we're doing a chronological study of Jesus' life on Wednesday evenings. And last week we started with Christmas. So yes, you missed Christmas, but we're really starting to get in the meat of it. And, and the reason we're doing this is for this very reason. It's to understand the history and benchmarks along Jesus' life that led up to his present position at God's right hand. You know, we're about to get to the point where he was baptized. We've already heard the introduction of Jesus and his relationship with John the Baptist. And if you don't remember, it's the first part of Luke talks about this interaction between Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, the mother of John. And, and it's phenomenal. And, and a lot of times we kind of gloss over it because we want to get to the angels and the shepherds. But God was moving the pieces in Jesus's life long before people knew there was a Jesus. So I want you to catch that. And the second is the healing power of Jesus is from God. It was the last few words of Acts 10, 38 that clearly say, because God was with him. The same God that is with Jesus is also with you. And that is a covenant promise, covenant promise from God himself. God's own words found in Joshua 1, 9 say, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And he also makes this covenant promise in Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. There it is. These two things that come with knowing God's with you. Strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And Jesus, the son of the father, who, who echoes his sentiment, says during the great commission, which he says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God's great power given to us when we pray to him in his son's name is also scripturally promised. James 5.14 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. This isn't because the elders of the church have mystical powers, right? It's because God is at work through people who call on him and pray in his son's name. It's not for the elite few. That's what's amazing about the gift of Christmas, the gift of Easter, is through the Son, we now have a relationship with the Father. And to continue that scripture from James, this is the verse 15. It says, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Isn't this what we pray for? Isn't this why we pray all the time for these things? And of all the things of healing that can be provided for you, what would you think is the most important, the most valuable to be healed? It's your soul. It's your soul. The prophet Isaiah told us that the Son of God would be pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment brought on us, brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And from Peter's own account in 1 Peter 2.24 speaks of the fulfillment of that very prophecy. He says, he personally carried our sins. He personally carried your sin in his body on the cross so that you can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. 
This is why we're excited about Jesus entering the city. Hosanna, the Savior has come. Friends, there are wonderful, wonderful things, some which that, you know, you have a loving father that sent his own son that you may be healed and have an opportunity for salvation and a hope of a future in heaven with him. And the process is so simple. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and be baptized. Ask for forgiveness for your sins and rely on the power of the great healer to heal you. What's holding you back? Now, I'm a horrible patient. Sherry will tell you that. I'm a horrible patient. I always have been. as before I was married to her. I don't like blood. I don't like needles. You know, I actually started college to be a hospital administrator, but when I realized I was still going to have to be around that stuff, I... There's no blood in business. <laughs> but, you know, there's... I, and I'm sure you see it. People come in anxious. Their, their blood pressure goes up because they just... What do they call it? White coat fever or something like that? White, white coat syndrome. I have a syndrome. Oh, Lord. And I kind of gave her a hint this was coming, so she's not prepared. But I'm sure that either in nursing school and in your practice, you have ways to calm down people like me. That when you want to go, when I want to go and be healed, but I'm nervous about the process, what do you do? What do you say? Oh, what do I say? I, what do you say? What do you do? Speak okay. up. I didn't know if it was like if I could give them a shot of something. <laughs> <laughs> like no, no, we don't like shots. Oh, okay. I, I know I, I lived my entire life until I got married taking very few pills and having no shots. And now I get shots on pills. I've got a pillbox bigger than my parents now. Oh, you need this. Mostly anyway. they're vitamins. Mostly they're vitamins. Yes, go ahead. Um, what would I say? You know, I think it kind of depends on what the, the fear is and, and to um, empathize. And, I mean, some of my patients are open to prayer, and so I prayed with them, just giving them time, you know, there's all kinds of things. And I think there's other things you do to calm them down. I mean, you, you have someone greet them up front, right? You have a conversation with them. I, and I, I, I is, is always kind of thinking about this, and it doesn't work on me, but it works on other people to calm down. Um, but as I was thinking about it, Think about what Jesus did. He, he empathized. He's the healer. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to heal you. He wants to ask you what's wrong. He wants to lean in and listen to what it is. He wants you to feel comfortable. He's got the, the Holy Spirit there as the, the greeter to say, you know, hey, here's what you say. You know, I, there's, there's so much power in healing. And, and we're our own worst enemy when it comes to getting the treatment we need from God. Oh. But anyway, this is, this is Holy Week. And it begins with Jesus' triumphal entrance on Palm Sunday. And, and Thursday, which is Maundy Thursday, is the Last Supper. an event we commemorate when we share communion. Friday is Good Friday. Um, this is the day of Jesus' death on the cross. And it just seems like, why is that a Good Friday? Because guess what else died on the cross that day? All of your sins, okay? And then Sunday is Resurrection Day, Easter and throughout this week, I want to challenge you to remember each of these important events in the history of your faith. Ponder them. Discuss them with friends and family. Cherish them in your heart because of the hope they provide you. And as a reminder of what we're doing here at Golden Beach, this morning's message will be online, obviously this afternoon. There'll be an online message on Thursday and then all, uh, evening at 7 and, and Friday morning at 10. And then we'll have our sunrise service on the lawn, weather permitting, at 630 
and we'll, we'll read the resurrection story from scripture and we'll, we'll sing some hymns like we did the last couple of years. And, and then we'll move inside and, and have breakfast. And I'll open up the sanctuary. I'll have some, some worship-like music here. And there won't be any expectations. There could be no one here. Everybody could be here. Just a quiet place of sanctuary. That is the one thing that, that church offers that, that, you know, they can't take away. That's sanctuary. And after that, we will have our traditional Easter morning communion service at 10 a.m. And the service will also be online. But it's my prayer that you especially and deliberately connect with God this Easter Sunday. And that you carry this forward just as he deliberately pursues a personal relationship with you. It wasn't just Easter and I'm done. It's Easter and I'm continuing to work for you. Guys, just remember that. Remember that and apply that every day. And please invite others to do the same. That is what he told us to do. So let's pray. Father God, Palm Sunday, Hosanna. Blessed are you who comes in the name of the Lord. This triumphal entry into the city this day that we celebrate the welcoming with open arms. We lay down our personal possessions before you so that you can come into our lives. But Lord, just as this week in history depicts, we, we turn our back, we forget the joy and excitement of, of having you in our lives. And, and honestly, we, we punish you. But God, you took that punishment and placed it solely on the shoulders of your son. And as he was pierced with nails, he was pierced with our transgressions. And as he died, so did our sin. But Lord, something miraculous happened and on Sunday morning as that stone was rolled away and Jesus was not there neither was our sin Lord we have a hope because of what you've done and just as Jesus appeared to his disciples and many others afterwards you appear to us still today you speak to us as we read your word Lord let us be changed this Easter season. With all that's going on in the world, Lord, we need a Savior more than ever. And let us be that light to those around us. Let's fill the world with the hope that was sent to this world so many years ago, a hope that still exists today. Lord, may all we do please you. May all that we do this week honor and glorify you and point others to you. May the culmination of this Holy Week not just be an ending, but just the jumping off point for the next great thing for this congregation and for us as Christians. God, we thank you for your blessing upon our lives, the wonderful gift of grace and mercy, and the hope to have a future in heaven with you. Amen.